Well, good day to the wisdom community. This is Reverend Jay Glover here. And today I'm going to be talking about Jesus and a blind man. And again, you know, this is not intended for to be a preaching platform for me. I would invite you to engage with this story and let me know what you see in this story. And I am welcoming you today to this conversation. Hello there, Laquita. Hello, sir. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing well. I can't complain. Well, that's good. That's very good. I um, I was trying to talk about Jesus and a blind man. And um, I guess you may be familiar with this story. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I am. Yes, sir, I am. So, um, so... Let me ask you, what, what do you see in this story? I mean, there's, there's, um, there's so much hope in that story. Mm-hmm. To me. It's so much hope in that story. And it's, it's really one of the, um, for me, I think it's one of the, the greatest examples of the love of Christ um, in, the, in the scripture for me. It's like, you know, the like the the scripture is all about the the love letter that Christ wrote to humanity, and Amen. these certain parables show forth His love, His grace, His mercy, His power, His compassion. And um, in that story is just another, I believe, awesome example of the love of uh, the love of Christ being demonstrated. Not just the miracle, mm-hmm. but the fact that right. He loves us so much that these are the things that he's willing, you know, that he did during his short time upon the earth. Mm-hmm. So, so when I see this story again, I, I was, uh, I see his condition, right? Mm-hmm. Of being blind and mm-hmm. being poor and begging on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was telling the first guest that uh, he may have been poor, and he was blind and he couldn't see with his eyes, but he had enough humility and discernment to see Jesus perhaps clearer than anyone else at the moment. Absolutely. You know, the way that he called out his name indicated, right. you know, that he had taken the time to study him and learn of him mm-hmm. and, you know, receive revelation concerning who he is. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. You know, Amen. even the, 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 the Pharisees and Sadducees of the time couldn't even because of you know their own inner issues they couldn't even see him for who he was the fulfillment of the the scripture walking among them but this poor blind guy he -hmm. knew how to get the lord's attention Mm -hmm. and 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 that he did he um he got the attention of jesus but here's what bothers me and Mm -hmm. and it opens up another door is that says many rebuked him Mm -hmm. and told him to be quiet and he mm. shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy so on me. Mm-hmm. so you, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Why are they trying to silence someone mm. who's calling out to Jesus for help? And the second question is, do we do that? So the answer to the second question is, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me how. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, we, we do. I, I remember when... Um, I remember when I first uh, began my walk with the Lord and, you know, you're full of excitement, you're full of zeal and you just want to know, right? You want to know. And so you're full of questions and 
you're just excited about everything, but the people who have been a Christian for a long time and they're stuck in whatever they're stuck in, right? Not that they don't still believe in the Lord, but they've lost their zeal for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. And they try to silence you, mm -hmm. you know, because had, you know, for their, for their own different reasons. I, I don't think that there's like one set reason that it happens, mm -hmm. but it's one of those situations where um, more seasoned, let me say it like that, more seasoned Christians, they've been, mm -hmm. we've been Christians for a long time, where we've allowed the cares of this life to come in and choke up the work mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. inside of us. We've right. allowed it to come up and choke up our faith and our joy. And we, you know, we explain it away by saying, oh, no, I'm just exercising common sense or, you know, just whatever saying that you might use right. when you are unknowingly hindering mm -hmm. the, um, the zeal mm -hmm. of a believer who is saying, OK, no, I am going to believe for my miracle. What, no matter what it is, I'm going to believe God for the impossible. I'm going to believe him to show me exactly who I am and what I've been called to do. And I'm going to call him by name. I'm going to call him whatever I want by name because that's what the scripture says, right? Amen. Amen. And, and we stopped him. Yes, we do. And we and we dampened out that zeal by, and sometimes we use it and, and under a guise that said, no, you know, sis or brother, let me just show you some wisdom. Yeah, we want to, you know, help them with wisdom, but we don't want to kill their joy or their zeal either. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, I kind of focus on this point is, um, well, first of all, I think that we, we silence the voices of our youth in the church mm. and mm. it causes them to leave. <laughs> yep. so yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I work with a, um, uh, I'm a chaplain at a university and, um, uh, you know, I see that when they hit, the university and they're not home anymore they you know trying to get them to come to a service is like pulling teeth i mean mm -hmm. we sometimes we, we uh, when we silence the voice we treat them like a like a, a empty glass of water that needs to be filled with our doctrine and teaching yep. and we don't leave any room for their their experience or their experience right and their, right. And their faith you know um we did a study once i remember when i was in the, in, in the seminary taking some classes we we did a study of, of the um, what music the church kids were listening to, mm. and who was their favorite music artist. Mm. And I'm from New York, and, all, and through, throughout all the boroughs, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, all of the, the name that kept popping up was Kendrick Lamar. Mm. And, and you know, I had never heard of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And, and that says something about how in touch we are Mm -hmm. the, the, where the hearts of our youth are are heavily vested in, mm -hmm. and and you know, so when they told me, they introduced me to Ken, Kendrick Lamar's lyrics and all of his stuff, and my thing is, listen, I think that some of those themes that he's talking about intersect mm -hmm. the biblical text. We could find some of those very themes Absolutely. about justice, about mm -hmm. poverty, mm -hmm. about being rescued. All of that stuff is in the Bible. It's just the way that we package it. Come on now, yes. And, and 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 so the thing is that we silence them. Yes. And yeah. and they leave and they leave. Mm -hmm. So you know the people that were around Bartimaeus, they told them to be quiet. Maybe they thought, oh, you you know you don't have to go through all of that. You're making a fool out of yourself. You're wasting your time. And sometimes we silence ourselves. We get into mm -hmm. a, a, mo a mode of thinking where we feel as though that um, 
uh, we're wasting our time, that our efforts of, you know, you start hearing that little voice telling you, man, you don't need to pray tonight or tomorrow because God is busy. He don't hear you. So we silence ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, but, you know, it's it's often um, religious folk who will try to do this silence. They don't know. They don't know what you've been through and how you called on the Lord, how you cried out. Um, they don't know that how God made a way for you somewhere else when everything else seemed to, to fail. Right, right, so, right. So um, I think that I'm glad that you brought that up and, and that you see that sometimes we get in the way of people's experience. Now, if you run out of time, I would really appreciate if you came back. Yes, sir, I will. I will. So, so, um, so we see his condition, right? Mm-hmm. We see this blind man sitting on on the side of the road um is you know and then think about back to the young people you know when we silence their voice we need to ask ourselves before we silence their voice is their cry for mercy somehow expressed in the song they're listening to come on now is there is their suffering economically emotionally politically socially expressed through the lyrics of this song so instead of shutting them down and silencing their voice Mm-hmm. We as adults should try to listen to see where their hearts are. Yes, and engage, engage them in dialogue. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, so music is definitely a form of expression, and it was something that was something that I'll say that I learned the hard way through raising um, our children. Uh, my mm-hmm. husband and my husband have five adult children. Okay, and you know, understanding the spiritual context that's behind everything that we do, and say, especially with the music industry, we learned to become really leery over the types of things that they were listening to, and so instead of listening to it for the context of it to see, like you said, what is it that they're trying to express, what is it that they're trying to say, um, we approach it from a totally different perspective. And my my oldest son actually introduced us to, to. introduced me to Kendrick Lamar and his lyrics because he fancies himself uh, a rapper and Kendrick Lamar is one of the rappers that um, he really 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 uh, looks up to and right. so I'm 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 younger I'm in my 40s you gotta come on back she's got to come back there we go alright so yes um, so your son he introduced you to Kendrick Lamar and, I'm in and, my, um, mid to, my mid to late mm-hmm. 40s and so I remember growing up in the 90s right um, and the music mm-hmm. that I listened to and the music that I listened to and the superstars of that day I we identified with the message because of our lived experience right the right. things that we were dealing with right. and so oftentimes as an adult we don't think through that lens again when we're dealing with our, with our youth absolutely I like that so we have to think through that lens and like I said it was a hard lesson learned Um, we have to think through that lens and look at why they are attracted to the things that they're attracted to and then offer them that same type of outlet and one of the um, it was two young men in the church that we were attending at the time to kind of started helping me to see clearly in that area and they were gospel rappers, but what they called themselves, this, and they and they made a song about it, but when they sat down and they said, you know, what we like to say and tell parents especially is we preach over beats. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
Like we preach over beats, so the the message, the gospel message, can be delivered in many forms. Amen. And because this is the form, hip hop isn't wasn't going anywhere. It was just getting bigger. Right, right. And right. so instead of the destructive messages, especially the ones that were being expressed by a lot of gangster rappers right. as it relates to the black community, mm-hmm. if I'm preaching over beats and they're mm-hmm. attracted to that beat, that rhythm. You know, if it's just something they want to bob their head to and they're right, listening right. to me and the right. message that I'm giving, the love letter of Christ, the gospel, then it's going to open up a dialogue to where the kids will ask us the hard questions. Amen. One of the other reasons that I, and I agree with you, that our youth leave because we push them out. Yes, and we absolutely. often don't want to answer the hard questions or mm-hmm. we give them such a long theological answer, they tune out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they feel like it's a non-answer right. to the questions that they have. So, um, yeah. I, I really like um, I really like what you were saying, and even here with the story of blind Bartimaeus and how he called out. You know, mm-hmm. that son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah, it's, it's you know he called out, and people told him to be quiet. To be quiet. <clears throat> you know, don't tell the people to be quiet. You know, wherever there, there's a, a a discipleship series that I love. Um, called Master Life, and mm-hmm. it's a four-book series, and it's all about the introduction to, okay, from unbeliever to now I'm a believer. Not only do I believe, but I'm going out and I'm telling other people about Jesus. It's a process of discipleship. Mm-hmm. But when, instead of telling them to be quiet, let's figure out where they are in their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, are they still a natural person? Are they a carnal mm-hmm. believer? Or are they a seasoned spiritual believer? Most likely, um, a lot of them are somewhere in that carnal state or they are unbeliever with questions. So meet right. them at the level of where they are, just like Jesus did. Don't tell them to be quiet. Right. And, and, and you know, um, when, when Jesus, um, when all of this calling out finally gets the attention of Jesus, <clears throat> um, the Bible tells us that Jesus stopped, right? Yes, and, he and And he, he told his disciples to call him. And, and he wanted this man to know that he had his attention and the attention that he hoped for was now a reality. So, mm-hmm. you know, one thing, one mistake that we make in the church is we kind of, um, the image of God that we introduce young people to is one of condemnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're telling them you're doing everything wrong. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. And, and they're like, yeah, okay, I got you. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, who wants to hear that, right? Right. Um, right. So, so um, you know, do we quiet them down by telling them things like that, or do they, do we create do we create a, a poor image of God mm-hmm. for, for them to relate to? Um, and but when Jesus encounters this man, he tells him to stand up, and um, you know, so he Jesus tells his disciples to call him, right? Mm-hmm. Call him. Mm-hmm. Tell him to come over here, and. And what? How, how did? What did he do? And and we learn from that. What should we do? Exactly. <laughs> that call in our lives. Um, um, just from talking to you, I, I I'm sensing that you God called you at some point in your life. He did. And you he answered did. that call. Can you want to you want to tell us a little bit about that? So, um, the long story short, born born and raised in in small town in Mississippi, uh, was raised in. Um, what and I can admit now, pretty amazing small um, Baptist church. But mm-hmm. like most young people, a lot of the things that I had questions about or saw, and then I was pushed away. And so, 
Mm. I made a decision that when I left home, I was leaving the church. Not that I did no longer believe in Jesus. I just had an issue with the way church people was, were doing things because it just didn't seem right. What you were teaching me in Sunday school, I could mm-hmm. see you doing the exact opposite later. I had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But life happens, right? And a lot That's of right. life happened. I, I left home at 18. Mm-hmm. I left home at 18. I was married by 19 mm-hmm. and had uh, one kid and one on the way when I got mm-hmm. here. Okay. By the time I got to age 25, I realized not only did I not know who I was, I didn't know why I was created. Right. But I was married with five children by age 25. Mm-hmm. And I was lost. Mm-hmm. And I, the answer was always, you know, you talk to family and whatnot, it's, oh, you just need to pray. Well, praying wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I've been in the church every now and then, wasn't working. I didn't realize what it wasn't working. And this is all you guys are telling me. And so on one, on my like last ditch occasion, like, you know, God, if you're real and you, you can do all of those things back in the day for the children of Israel, I need you to do something for me because my marriage was bad. Our finances was bad. My life was, it was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I heard a message and I received that message. Mm-hmm. And in receiving that message, I dedicated my life to Christ. That was important step number one. Important step number two was... So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a second. Uh, you reminded me of this blind Bartimaeus sitting <laughs> on the side of the road. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you cried out and God saw you. He, he saw me. He heard my cry. He had been tugging at my heart for a long time. I just had to get to a place of full submission and full surrender. And the, the beautiful thing about free will is we can go with the consequences of our our choices. And I was experiencing the consequences of a lot of decisions I made. But Mm -hmm. God loved me. He didn't let me die in him. He made me more than a conqueror, even though I didn't have a relationship with him yet because I was born, I had a purpose. And his intent is for me to fulfill that purpose. And so when I did give my life to Christ, the ministry that we attended at that time, um, the pastor did an amazing thing. He answered Mm -hmm. questions, sir. And, I, and he came, he and his wife came over for dinner, a Sunday dinner after a service and sat with me and my husband on m- so many occasions. Right. But on this one particular occasion, I asked them, I said, hey, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe hell is real. But what I'm having a hard time doing is understanding how the you t- teaching me that the children of Israel wandered around for 40 years, how mm-hmm. it has any impact on my life right now. Like right, right, right. now I got problems. Right. I'm not the children of Israel wander in the desert. Right. <laughs> and that, you know, I'm just, you know, keeping it real. It's like, right. you know, and they're telling me to pray, but I'm listening to the way you guys are praying and the way I heard prayer growing up and I'm, I ain't doing something right. Like, you right. know, <clears throat> I believe that you got to help me in this thing. And they answer my questions mm-hmm. and, and they would sit down with us and some of the other elders and ministers, the longer that we were a part of the ministry would sit down with us and help us understand and on our own, by the grace of God, we grew in wanting to know more about the scripture, taking the time to read it, actually listening while we were in service, taking notes and being, you know, just being one that was apt to teach and looking at different resources to help grow. And, right. you know, the more you grow, the more mm-hmm. mature you get, the better understanding that you have. And so I realized that a lot of the things that I thought I knew from a child, from my childhood, was not what the scripture said. It was not what the Lord said. 
Mm. You know, from mm -hmm. Genesis to Revelation is his love letter. Right. People often add to and take away from to suit their doctrinal belief and different things of that nature. Uh-oh, you're right. But Jesus loves us. He created yes, you and he loves you and he wants us to come to himself. And when I realized that, let's, I, you know, my life has never been the same. Right. Amen. Well, you know, um, I, uh, there are so many things that you said. Um, I like where you, um, you talked about uh, the scriptures. First of all, you felt as though what you were being taught, maybe at a young age, that, that it wasn't working for you because it wasn't relevant to your own life. Yes. And, and, and that's a mistake that we make with young people. We don't, we, you know, we don't tie it into their experience. So one of the things that we're trying to do, like if I'm teaching a Sunday school class, is make it relevant and use what are the lessons that we learned from these stories? And, and again, I hope you come back. What are the lessons that we learned from these stories? Um, what has it got to do with me? Um, the other thing that you said, uh, and that's a big, that's a big uh, part of it, making the, the, the biblical text relevant as opposed to their lived experience, as opposed to us treating them like an empty glass of water that needs to hear what we think about the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, so like right now, we're talking, um, giving just as a real live example, you and I now, we're talking about a story from the Bible, and we talked about how, you know, blind Bartimaeus was crying out, and you shared out how, how you cried out in your life. Then, mm -hmm. then you got to, to, to talking about how you, you know, you began to um, grow as a person in God and, and become more mature in your understanding and, and you started to form your own, um, uh, your own um, uh, God construct, as we say. And that was not necessarily consistent with the embedded theology of your youth. It was a little bit different. Now you're growing to a different, different, different understanding. So in right. the, the same way, in this story that we're reading, we read that blind Bartimaeus, one of the things, another thing that jumps out to me is that he says that when they told him, you know, Jesus is calling you, come on, he realized the call was there. The Bible says that he threw his cloak aside, mm, come jumped, on. jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, the coat that he had was the coat of a beggar. Mm. He threw it aside. Yes. Yes. That coat was his identity. Yes, come on, sir. And he he threw it aside, you know, yes. and and he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And yes. so he celebrated this moment by giving his full attention to Jesus. He threw off, threw off this coat that he wore every day. Um, he threw off the clothes of a beggar. Yes. And so now he, he uh, you know, they say you can tell a lot about a man by the clothes he wears. <laughs> <laughs> he knew that he wouldn't need these beggars clothes anymore. Because he had faith that God would meet his needs. Come on now. So yeah. now he now he's looking to Jesus as his provider, and so do I. Yes. Yes. You know, um, he was now under the providential care of God, and he says, "I don't need. I can get rid of this beggar's coat mm -hmm. that, that shaped his his identity in public." Mm. You know, he trusted that he would be made new by Jesus, and and he would no longer have to beg from people passing him by. Right. And but now God would be the one who would not pass him by and would be his provider. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that's his belief. His belief in who Jesus was, that he he was the son of God mm -hmm. and that he had that ability to make him whole to restore his sight. Mm -hmm. Caused him 
to take off those garments, mm-hmm. those things that life, people, situation, circumstance have put on him. He threw them off because now I'm connected to my source. I'm connected to the King of Kings. I'm connected to the miracle worker. Like he's connected to who Christ is Mm -hmm. and knew that everything that he had need of was in him. It's Mm -hmm. well, what I'm trying to say is relationship. Mm -hmm. When through him studying and learning who Christ was and knowing that he could go to him for himself mm-hmm. to receive what he needs. That's just the development of a relationship. Absolutely. And in that development of relationship, that was the other thing that was the major difference between what I learned or what, let's say what I understood as a child mm-hmm. between what I learned and what I understood as an adult mm-hmm. being taught the word, the word was in me. Right. My mother made sure that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, in in southern Mississippi, you do what you told. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's right. You know, I was, and in my grandmother's house, excellence was demanded. And so I was the head of the junior usher board, the junior, the junior Sunday school committee. I was, you know, all of these things. I could quote the scripture back to you, but what I lacked was right. relationship. Wow. And as an adult, I developed that relationship. Right. And so... Like the the scripture tells us, it's the the letter that kills, but the spirit gives us life, right? right? Right. It doesn't give me that. Like where you were saying, a lot of times we like to browbeat young people or anybody with the word and try to guilt them into submission, guilt them into change. Oh, you're going to hell, you know? When we're talking to an unbeliever, and they're like, "Well, yeah, right. I know I got problems. I don't need you to tell me I got problems. I need you to give me a solution." You know, I was so excited this morning in church. I, I preached this morning in, in the church, and um, as I was, um, as we were prepared, as we entered into the worship service and before the preaching, that you know, there's a lot of worship and praise going on. And um, there was a song that was being sung, and it was an upbeat song. And um, I looked up in the balcony as I was sitting on the pulpit. I looked up in the balcony and saw two young girls. I'm talking about. Um, maybe three and four years old. And they were dancing their hearts away. Yes. And I was so excited by that. Yes. Because, because, because the reason why I was so excited about that is because, you know, I look at the church today and ask myself the question, what are we assimilating to as a mm. church? In other words, what are we trying to fit into? What are we trying to fit the church into? Are That's we trying right. to fit into a model of what? What is it? I mean, I look, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I, I, I'm not throwing people under the bus, but, you know, some of these folks nowadays, um, it's hard to tell the difference between the church and what's going on in the in the club. Right. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I know all about it. But these two young kids, they were these three and four years old. They were just celebrating being in the presence of God in the com- church community. And it was just a wonderful sight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, and so, yeah, we have to, we got to make these stories relevant. We have to allow them to have their experience. And then when you finally gave your life to the Lord and as an adult, let's say, um, you know, I think just like with um, uh, um, Blind Bartimaeus, I think he got around to the point in his life where, where any he, any notion of self-sufficiency or self-righteousness and pride mm-hmm. were all suspended in the moment. 
in the gap. <laughs> and you just give your life to God with trusting him. And it's hard for people to get to that point. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, what, because it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Exactly. When you, no matter how old you are, when you get to that point, you've literally had a lifetime to be self-sufficient, to learn about self-sufficiency right. or codependency on another human being. Right. But from that moment of salvation, you start a brand new relationship where I'm learning to be completely dependent on God. Amen. And that's a process. I mean, you know, salvation is instant. Sanctification is a process. Amen. <laughs> so you mean to tell me you don't, you don't, uh, you mean to tell me, let me see, how can I put this? Uh, let's see. Um, so uh, uh, a superstar, don't, don't, a mega superstar recording artist, don't, don't go get baptized. Don't wake up as Mother Teresa, right? No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Not no, right away, huh? Not right away. It's a process. It's a work. It's like that. Those those seventeen workings of our flesh are alive and active, mm. even at the point of salvation. Right. And we have to learn how to tell the difference between them. Like I've been living my life this way for so long. I mm -hmm. and I have to start to learn how to tell the difference between what's a God thing, what's a good thing, what's mm -hmm. my flesh. You right. know, I have to. It, it it's a process of learning. Right. My salvation was instant, but I'm still in that sanctification process. Right. But my salvation experience happened back in 2002. Right, right, right. right. It's a continual learning and growth process. It's a maturity process. Right. And it never ends. I mean, it know, never it, ends. It's a lifelong. It's a lifelong process. We're always being. Right. If if it wasn't the case, if that wasn't the case, you wouldn't need Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. you know. And, and so the funny thing is, um, he had that, you know, when he jumped to his feet, you know, the Bible says that he jumped, he threw off his coat and jumped to his feet. It was a moment of transformation. Like you said, mm. you're, you're a moment of resurrection, as you want yeah. to say, yeah. a moment of relief, a moment of deliverance. Mm. Then he gets into the presence of Jesus and, and said, and Jesus asked him, well, what do you want me to do for you? Mm. And he said, I want to see Mm. And and Jesus says, well, go ahead. Your faith has healed you. And, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Yes. So, yes. so what, what, do we, what do we say it means to follow Jesus nowadays? See, you know, <laughs> that's a good question. Like, I'm going to have to tap back in. But <laughs> Okay, come on. That's a good question. I mean, the unfortunate answer is a lot of times we are taught to follow people and not follow mm -hmm. Jesus. Right. There's a major difference between following the people or the or the pastor of the church that you are connected to and following mm -hmm. Jesus. I can follow right. the pastor as he follows Christ, but right. that does not mm -hmm. negate the necessity of my personal relationship right. with following Christ. Right. That's my personal responsibility right. as a boy. Right, right, right. I hear you and I, I know you're coming back in. I'm trusting you're coming back in. And and uh the question is, um, what does it mean to follow Christ nowadays? What does that look like? I think so. that to follow Christ today should look like what it meant to follow Christ in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's about building that relationship. You know, we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. Right. Working that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Right. That's the first thing. Or so... I'll give it to you as an example. You know, I mentioned that um, a discipleship 
uh, course that I really love. It's called Master Life. Um, I highly recommend it. I don't care whether you are a believer or a non-believer. It's a solid teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, what is well, it called? Master, master, master Life? Yes, it, you can get it from Lifeway Christian Bookstore. Okay. Um, and it, it's a four-book series. costs roughly about 26 bucks. And that will okay. get you all four books. And it's a, each book takes six weeks to study. Okay. So in, in the very first one, we are taught to make Christ the center focus of our life. Right. That when we receive Christ and we're in relationship with him, just like when you want to develop a relationship with another individual. When me and my husband started dating, mm-hmm. he became the center focus of my life. Everything else didn't. They had to revolve around him. Mm-hmm. And as I he, making him the center focus of my life, mm-hmm. uh, making Christ the center focus of my life, then how do I get to know Jesus? The only way I can get to know him is by spending time with him. And I spend that time with him mm-hmm. by spending time in his word. Amen. And we're, we're blessed in this day and age that I know, I don't know about nobody else, but when I picked up that King James Version and started reading, I was confused. Right. Right. So, right. yeah, you know, old people say, you know, read. Read the red and pray for power. Well, okay, it wasn't working. Right. Right. <laughs> so you get um, a more modern English language that you can understand. So and you and you begin to read that right and and spending time spending time in that word and getting to know Jesus through His scriptures from Genesis to Revelations, right? Right. Then that compels you to a place where you want to pray. Right. And with that word sitting in front of you, a great place to start if you say, okay, like me, I didn't know how to pray. Right. And so I started reading and I fell into the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. And the Bible I had at that time, at the top of the, the psalm, it would tell me why David wrote it, what the experience was about, you know. Right. And so I would go to search for the psalm that matched what I was feeling in my heart and in my mind. Amen. And I would read it and, the, and it dawned on me, well, if this is in this Bible and it's the scripture, then I can, this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm going to read the scripture verbatim because that's what I needed. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Developing my prayer life. And that happened by me spending time in the Word. Amen. And I, but I, that didn't mean I didn't have questions. And right. so this is me learning to follow Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I still had questions. So now with that, instead of being drawn to things, that would push me away from Christ. I began to be drawn to people and things and stuff that would draw me closer to Christ. And so that wanted that made me want to fellowship with like-minded believers. That's right. the third thing. Right. So I'm, I'm making Christ the center focus on my life. I'm spending mm-hmm. time in his word. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm developing that vertical relationship with Christ. I'm getting mm-hmm. to know God and spending mm-hmm. time with him. And so that makes me want to spend time with God's people. And in those three things working together synergistically, now I'm compelled in my heart, man, I want to share what I have learned and what God has done for me. I want to share with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So now that compels me to go out and be evangelistic. Mm -hmm. And that's me as as a young believer on fire over the course of about three to six months. Right. Well. Well, I, I, I again, I preached this sermon this morning when I heard you just mention the, the um, vertical. Um, <clears throat> um, I thought of the, the horizontal. I thought of um, 
of uh, you know I preached a sermon this morning that was um, based on the uh, scripture where saying that we can um, serve God by serving humanity. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I want to say this though. Um, as now, I play music as well. I, I, I've been playing the guitar since I was a young teenager, and and um, as much as I love music, when I say what does it mean to follow God today, one of the one of the things that we have to be careful about is that <clears throat> some of our young folk see the music and the praise part as the end of it. Mm-hmm. As the end of the story, and as much as I love to worship and praise, that's not the end of the story. No, nope. it's, not, it's not. It's not. I heard one preacher put it like this: It's not how high you can jump; it's how straight you can walk. Come on, man. And yeah. and um, so you know, when I see when I see some of the entertainers, you know, I, I I had a little success in the music business myself, and and so I maybe I'm a little bit biased towards this, or maybe God showed me something through all of this experience, but. But, um, you know, when I see some of the entertainers, the gospel entertainers that, you know, I can hardly tell the difference. Again, I can hardly tell the difference between um, the entertainers in the, in the secular world and some of the entertainers in the God. Not all of them, but, but we have to be careful what we model ourselves after mm-hmm. when, when, we, when we claim to identify as being followers of Christ. Uh, well, follow him then, and don't model, model, don't model yourself after the um, the um, the images that are put forth in, in media and the music business. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I, I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. So you know, blind Bartimaeus, he jumped up, he threw off his coat, and he and he went to follow Jesus along the road. So as we follow Jesus, you know, we it's more about than just going to church on Sunday morning to get your praise and worship on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about it's about following Jesus all the rest of the week and living a life that's pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like I like when you said, um, in order for you to build that relationship, you had to spend time. Yes. With God, because otherwise it don't happen. Imagine being in a relationship. You said you're married, right? Now so yes. imagine being being married and never talking to your husband. That won't work. <laughs> <laughs> that just don't work. And it's that the same thing with God. That don't work. You can't be in a relationship with God and never talk with him. And and speaking about talking with God, prayer is a two-way conversation. Yes, it is. Um, so we have to be willing to come into the presence of God, just like you did when you first got saved. You got to come into the presence of God with all your imperfections. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't need to get yourself right before you get into the presence of God and pray because you never will. Right. Right. So so um yeah so um you saying that it, it made me think about in, in um Genesis uh chapter three after the fall and the the scripture says that um the Lord was walking in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day. Mm. And it was his appointed time and appointed place that he normally met Adam and Eve. Right. And he said, Adam, where you at? And Adam was like, you know, I'm hiding because I'm naked. And God and God told him, well, who told you you were naked? Right. He's he's God. He already mm-hmm. knew what they did. Right. He knew what they did, but he still came the mm-hmm. same place at the same time mm-hmm. to meet them. And even though they did what they did, they fell. 
Right. He yet had a salvation plan, a recovery plan already in place. When they covered themselves with leaves, he he gave them, you know, animal coverings. He committed, he he did that first sacrifice. And his plan was already in action. Like, it doesn't, like we were saying, it doesn't matter about our imperfections or our mistakes. The importance is that we come to him. Amen. Because he's the solution. Amen. And, you know, um, the the spending time with the God um, is so critical. Um, Often what we do is, is, um, you know, sometimes when it comes to prayer, people will, and I've done it myself, wait until the end of the night when they're passing out, falling asleep and decide to try to pray. And they say, Lord God Almighty, and then they start snoring. (laughs) (laughs) A little guilty on that one. Yeah, I think I've been there myself. But but the thing is... What does that say about us, though? Does that say that? What does that say about us? Where we are we penciling God into our busy schedules, or or is our prayer life so um, so uh, you know unexciting that that we don't want to attend to it, or do we want to avoid a prayer life because God might say something that you don't want to hear? So, I think it might be a little combination of all of that. So like <laughs> where our priorities are lying, like you know, it, it could be any number of those things on any for any given individual on any given day. But you know, where our priority lies and how bad we want to sustain that relationship um, isn't. Oh man! So oh, she popped out. That was short. So anyway, um, let's see. There we go. She's coming back. So I, you know, it's ex- it's exciting to hear that you um, grew up in Mississippi, and that your grandmother had uh, had you on the straight and narrow, and and that you found as you grew in the Lord, you found um, that you f- you developed a relationship with God that was different than the theology that the, your God, image of God that you were. You know, that reminds me, this image of God, it reminds me of uh, the scripture where it's a, it's a parable and um, where Jesus gives these talents to these different things of value to different people. And one mm-hmm. of the guys says, one of the guys says, he took it and he said, and he buried it in the ground. He says, mm-hmm. I know, he's talking to God and he says, I know you are a hard man. Yeah, yeah. Reap where you have not sown. Mm-hmm. And so now he's pointing the finger. Yeah, and sometimes he had a bad image of the master. That's what it yes, was. he did, and and that's what we do. We have from our childhood. Well, I, I should speak for myself. We, that's what you know. When I grew up, I I didn't necessarily see God as the loving God who, who looked past my imperfections. I just kind of saw God as you know, He's like keeping a score on me. And and you know, well, at the end of the day, you know, you got two down and you up one, and you know what's going to happen next. So, so the, the image of God is, is really important. And, and when we teach out the youth, we have to somehow make all of these stories relevant to their lives and, mm-hmm. and, not, and not be postured from a, a posture of condemnation towards, mm-hmm. towards these young people or else they're going to leave the church like they're doing. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, the image that we have of God is so important. Like, um, I know I am... Um, uh, I get to minister at women's conferences and different things um, often and speaking to women's groups. And 
one one of the things that has been really prevalent uh, question well several questions are prevalent but one that is really um gaining prevalence is um in that a lot of women have been taught and have a wrong image of who god is who who god is as what we believe it him to be as christians you know and what it means to be a good christian woman and they related to misogyny and i was having this conversation um recently i was a a podcast guest on a on another podcast and the and the the host was not a believer and so you know we we were having a really good conversation though and and i shared with her it's like as i grew in my relationship my personal relationship with the lord and my personal study that is the biggest lie that has ever been told Mm. my position um when god created eve she's mother of all living Mm-hmm. Without a woman, there is no earth, right? That the, the replenishment of the earth does not happen right. without a woman. That's for sure. I, I, I produce life as a woman. And so when God showed me who I was Amen. and the position of power and authority that I have as a woman, I was crafted and created in his image and in his likeness, just like my husband was. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so erroneous teachings over the years have caused a lot of women, especially in the African-American community, to look for their queendom somewhere else when he already made us in his image and in his likeness. Whether you call me a queen, whether you call me a princess, I'm a daughter of the Most High. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful position that I have. Yes, it is. And through his, his love letter to me and to humanity, I learned that what he really thinks about me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I learned in the scripture of how he has ordained or commanded men to treat me Mm -hmm. and what the expectation that I should have for my husband. You ought to speak speak to the men. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and here's the thing, and it's good you said that because as me and my husband were learning and growing in our walk with Christ together and me learning that what submission meant was not for him to run over me. Right. But I found that when I understood what the scripture meant by that and I began to do that, mm-hmm. he fulfills my every need. Amen. I don't have to ask for anything That's because right. he loves me and he's the man that God ordained for me. And Amen. so... It's his. It's a part of his makeup to provide and protect for me. Now, does that mean that I don't go out and earn and do? No, I'm an entrepreneur. It's in my spirit. I'm a Proverb 31 woman, mm-hmm. and in Pro- the Proverb 31 woman was an amazing entrepreneur. Amen. She was a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. You know, she saw the field, she purchased it, she mm-hmm. determined what it was good for, she created the vineyard, and then she called the people in the community and gave them jobs. She helped the economy, the local economy. While her husband was being praised in the city gates. He was an official. He was a man of great importance. And she was, and he trusted her so much. He, she didn't ask for permission for that money. She had equal access because he believed her and he trusted in her. And when we learned who God created us to be as, as a man of God for my husband, as a woman of God for myself, the roles that he ordained, that I ordained roles as men and women, as husband and wife, that was the turning point for our marriage. 
Mm-hmm. When he learned what it meant when the scripture says that, you know, that my that your husband is supposed to love you and honor you and give his life for you as Christ gave his life for the church. He meant Amen. that. And what my, that my wife means. is sitting here shaking her head, smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead on, keep preaching. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it's such it was such a phenomenal experience for our family. Because uh-huh. you know, like I said, I was I was twenty-five right. at the time and we had five children. Now, to, and to be fair and all transparency, it took my husband another seven years before he got to that place. Right, right. And, but it took seven years for me to understand my role and my position. Now, am I saying my husband's salvation was on me? That's not what I'm saying. What right. I am saying is my growth and development as an individual and my relationship with the Lord was 100% my responsibility. However, my children and my husband were watching me to see what happened. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of image was I giving them? Right, right. You know, do I want to, do they, you know, did they want to be a part of this faith that I'm talking about? Or was it right. turning mama into a crazy lady? Right, right, right. You know, well, but, you know the, um, the, the, the patriarchal um, posture of much of writings and biblical interpretation is tragic nowadays. It is. Um, um, I mean, I even heard stories about, um, you know, women, you know, not being able to preach, not women not being able to teach in the church and, and all of this kind of stuff. And my own pastor put it to me like this way. He says, listen, a woman conceived the word of God. Mm-hmm. A woman carried the word of God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And a woman delivered the word of God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your problem? So, right. So um, and, and then the other thing is that some women have had such a bad experience with their natural fathers mm. that they can't come to God as father. Mm. That's real good, sir. And, know, it's, and it's a powerful truth. So that's why you hear some of the um, people who um, who really have this profound, you know, this prominent uh non-gender God narrative because of their own personal experience of being so yes. bad Yes, with men that they can't um, go to God as be matter of fact to think of God as a, as a father would, would horrify and traumatize them mm-hmm. you know so we just got to pray with people and, and walk them through you know absolutely absolutely you know it's, it's when we it, it's it's about that relationship and understanding who he is right and that no, he didn't desire for any of those horrible things to happen to us. Mm-hmm. But he made us so much greater than those situations because those situations are in the past and we're here in the present and the right now and he calls us to overcome and prevail. Right. And if we allow him, he, can, he can't change the past, but he can heal the hurt and right. he can craft us into the person that he desired for us to be. When he allowed us to be conceived in our mother's womb. Amen. You know, and I, yeah, I believe that the, the family is integral to reshaping or, or I say restoring God's original intent. Amen. Not only for the church, uh, mm-hmm. but for the body of Christ as a whole. Not just for the local church, but for the body of Christ as a whole. And that's something that... Um, me and my husband are very, very passionate about. We spend a lot of time just, you know, encouraging um, married people. We, right. we met in 1992 
and we've been I was 15 and he was 17 and we've been together ever since you know monogamy can be done yeah, that, you know, that's, that, Mary, puts a, uh, that puts an end to the myth that people of color don't stay married, right? Yeah, so actually, um, people of color um, have tremendous testimonies in terms of their married life. It's, it's um, every marriage doesn't have to end in a divorce. I've been married with my wife for 44 years now. Awesome. Praise God. Awesome. And believe me, when I tell you the young days... In the first two years, <laughs> it wasn't that easy. I mean, you know, I'll give no, you. A, I'll give you a little bit of insight. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna spare you the gory details, but you know, I used to be in the music business, and you know, I used to play with a group that was pretty well known in the, in the you know Grammy Award winning group. You know, and um, um, it, the lifestyle though for me it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a good thing for for me personally, and you know mm-hmm. I had to I had to get past that. I wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid, with with an emphasis on the star, and <laughs> and, and I, I had a little experience in that. But it, instead of leading me to a place of happiness and joy, it kind of led me to a place of despair, mm. and 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 that wasn't God's plan for my life, and I found that out. But and my wife and I were together through all of that. And um, we've been together for 44 years now. So um, marriage, awesome is, marriage is a good th- marriage is a good thing. It um, is, it, and it it helped. It'll help both par- all parties concerned. Yes, it does. Yes, you it know, does. The, the husband, the wife, and the children are all strengthened by the family unit. Absolutely. I have a grandson. I have a grandson who likes to stay with me more than he stays with his parents. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think it's, I, I mean it's just that the relationship that we have. Um, it's special. Yeah. Yes. And, and um, you know, uh, he, he sent me a tea. He was with them today. This is the weekend. So he's over there and he sent me a text that he watched me preach on YouTube. <laughs> 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 so I, I was happy about that. I love it. You know, my husband and I have been grandparents now for five years. We've got the five adult children and now we have five grandchildren. This and I, I have to say being a grandparent is the best phase of my life so far. It's like, Absolutely. I love my children, but Absolutely. my grandchildren, oh my I'm goodness. telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, they can just drop them off and leave them. They can go on about their business. They can go on about their business. <laughs> my, my, since, we, since we've been on the chat, my husband was sitting here in the living room, but then our grandson came over and so... I know they they went to the back. He's probably giving them all sorts of treats, but it, it's exactly what you said. Like, um, be, having grandkids is amazing, and it's 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 a blessing. And that the longevity that we have in life, I believe, um, a big part of that longevity in healthy relationships. I'm gonna emphasize the word healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And healthy relationships produces longevity mm-hmm. in life. And and that's because the family continues to grow, the love continues to grow, and when we have that 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 nuclear family unit, and everybody is still you know communicating well with each other, and the 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 kids need the grandparents to help with the raising of the kids, and the grandkids bring in more love, and then when the, my parents don't live that far from us, and so my husband and my dad have a. a a cute competition going on on who's going to be the best papa. So now, yeah. like my, yeah. you know, my dad, he's their great granddad. Like yeah. Yeah. that makes for such healthy situations. 
So what we have to do with these grandkids is make sure that we somehow impart a healthy image of God yes. to them yes. and not yes. a God who condemns that is just postured in condemnation. Yep. And, Absolutely. And, you know, the, under the threat of going to hell. You Absolutely. Know, we have to do better than that. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we've dropped the ball. Religious education has dropped the ball in, in, in much of the church. And um, we need to just approach it differently. We need to make our stories relevant to their lives. Um, uh, we need to, um, you know, I, my grandson came here. He's, he's, he just turned 10. So he came in and told me about some, um, some kids in his class that were acting funny. And he, he was really disturbed about it. And, um, uh, you know, we went to, we looked at Proverbs. I think it's the very first one where it talks about not joining in with those people who are trying to lead you into trouble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I gave him that scripture in response to his need. Mm. Yes. And we talked about something that was relevant in his own life. Mm -hmm. And it had, it, it had his attention, you know. Yes. Um, um, so, uh Anyway, that's that's what we need to do. Um, and you know, I enjoy talking with you. Now, I might, you know, I have. A, um, I like to take these little talks and some of them, not all of them, and put them <clears throat> on a, um, with some music behind it, and and put it on on Apple. I got a, a little Apple podcast, so for and I put that on YouTube. So if you look it up, you'll find it. You might hear yourself. I will definitely. I will definitely, I, I'm on your profile now. I'll definitely connect and listen to some of your episodes. Um, yeah, check it on um, uh, the ones that are on, um, if you listen to it, if you listen to it on Apple, I put music behind them. So I'll, okay. probably, I'll probably do that later on today. I'm going to edit out some of the beginning of this session. And, um, and then I'm going to put some music behind you hear yourself talking. That goes on Apple. It goes on Amazon. It goes on iHeartRadio. It goes all over the place. Awesome. Um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I will definitely do that. And hit, su yeah. hit the uh, subscribe. Um, YouTube. I put on it, YouTube. it goes on YouTube as well. You know? So I'll, I'll put a little, uh, little picture or video or something up there. And, and the talk will be, and, you know, it'll be behind the talk and music. You know, the awesome. good thing about the Wisdom app is, is I never intended to for it to be a preaching platform. You know, I just want to talk to people and try to bring and, and learn from each other. And, and, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. And, and we get to share our um, views and experiences from based on a, a scripture that we perhaps look at a little bit. So um, I enjoy talking to you. I think I'm going to sign off now. I enjoy talking to you as well, and, sir. Thank and, you so much. I, my, my prayer is for you and your ministry and your grandchildren that, <laughs> that, you, that, you, that you get strengthened along your journey. You know, they say grandkids will make you go broke. So <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Me and my wife, we celebrated an anniversary once, one, one of them anniversaries, and, you know, I took her to this, um, to this shopping and this little guy had the biggest bag out of everybody. <laughs> he walked out with all the gifts. <laughs> but, um, you know, so my prayers are for you and your family and your, your ministry. You're talking with these women conferences. And, you know, remember um, that, you know, I know you know this. I'm not telling you anything new, but uh, women are traumatized by, by the um, patriarchal um, postures of of modern day theology and writing and, and uh, religious leaders. 
mm. and um, and it's really harmful and hurtful, mm. and and it causes them to to go through all kinds of suffering. So I'm glad to hear that you are out there in ministry to to women. Um, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. I was in a seminary class, and and uh, one woman told me she said, you know, the the they call it past the peace portion of their service where everybody it's like a meet and greet okay and she said you know for me that's the most horrifying and traumatic portion of the service because mm. people strange people like to come up to me and touch me and hug me mm. and she was traumatized in her youth mm. so we're insensitive to these things and we need to think about it yeah you know yeah. we need to be a little bit more sensitive of how people are how we engage another person's space Yes. In the yeah. name of God. Yes. So, um, anyway, so my prayers are with you. I, th I really thank you for coming on. And um, I'm going to be signing off now, and I hope that our, our, our paths cross again sometime. Yes, sir. I, uh, uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'll definitely be um, coming on to m and listening to more of your um, wisdom talks. And uh, I thank God, and I'll be praying for you guys as well in your ministry. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a good day. God bless you, sir. Thank you. You too.